you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fan fiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fan fiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Eric. Andrew, Marcus, what am I going to write this week? Oh man, uh, we're excited to tell you about this one, man. This this is going to be a fun week. So this week, you are going to be writing a piece of sham fiction based on the novel, The Graveyard Book. Uh, Neil Gaiman? Neil Gaiman. Graveyard book. One of Two Jackets Productions' favorites. All right, good to know. So, yeah, so Graveyard Book, yeah, written by Neil Gaiman with illustrations by Dave McKean, at least in the issue that I have. Dave McKean, frequent collaborator with Mr. Gaiman. They've worked together before on various projects. Um, This is also, and I just learned this, this is also now a graphic novel. Oh. Uh, They just adapted it into a two volume uh, story. author by the name of p craig russell just did it i'll need to check that one out here soon look kind of cool cool um different artists too not not uh dave mckean on that yes thank you marcus yep i think he did it yeah different artists okay yeah um yeah p craig russell was the writer on that anyway the graveyard book that we're going to describe to you the novel was released in 2008 um you can get it now wherever books are sold amazon barnes and noble i got my copy a few years back at powell's books in Portland, Oregon. If you're ever in the Portland area, I've check out there. Powell's Books. It's it's a it's, nice a, store. it's amazing. It's, a, place. it's a it's a wonderland of of, of literature. Um, yeah, and so yeah, the Graveyard Book. This is a fantasy adventure, as as Neil Gaiman tends to write. Um, this is one that I really wanted to do because the Graveyard Book, uh, and it, it's like one of my favorite things that Neil Gaiman has done, and I've read most of what he has done, and I just it holds a special place in my heart. It's just such a sweet story. It's it's got all those game and qualities that you like. You know this this world that is our own, but it's kind of right next door where we're set where it sets. You know this kind of mm-hmm. fantasy realm that's right there. Um, but from a really unique and really fun perspective, Marcus, what's something that you really dig about this property? Oh boy! Well, you hit it right on the head. Gaiman's probably my favorite author, just because. I love reading his prose so much. A page from Neil just feels like it's a warm blanket. You know, it's <laughs> the language is so beautiful and enveloping. And so anytime he releases something, I, I've ordered it months in advance. This was one that I had ordered back in college. And, uh, you know, I forgot I'd pre-ordered it. it, showed up at my door, and I stopped everything to read it straight through, even though I had homework to be doing. Uh, and that's that's just the way of these kind of stories. And this is particularly great because it's one of his all-ages young adult stories. So it's Ooh. it's a sweet story. It's a straightforward story. And it's uh, emotional and touching. Yeah, so let's get into a bit about what it's about. So, yeah, Graveyard Book, it follows the adventures of Nobody Owens. 
His name is Nobody. 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 So my, minor spoilers ahead. Minor spoilers. Oh, we thank you, Marcus. Any of the big ending stuff, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about the first few chapters in particular. Sure. That is good to note. Yes, so Nobody. That is his name. Nobody Owens or Bod. He goes by Bod. Uh, that's kind of the, the nickname that he's given by those he's around him. He's a Bod him. man. Gotcha. He's the Bod. <laughs> um, so this is like stories while he's growing up in, in a graveyard. Um, he's dropped off, or he, he gets there at age two when he's just a little toddler. And we follow him in various stories until he's 15 years old. Um, when he was a toddler, um, he toddled out of his crib one night and into this graveyard. And because he was he was wont to wander, his parents <laughs> often uh, found him wandering off down the street and had to run and he catch was, him. He was born a rambling man, Eric. He okay. is a rambling trying to make a living, man. doing the best doing he can. The best. <laughs> Good. I'm with you. Uh, two years old, all of two years old, and doing all that. And That's yeah, so this one night fan. he toddled into the graveyard, and on that same night, a man named Jack entered that home. And murdered his entire family. All two of them. All <laughs> murdered all two members of the two family. Two of his of family. The, of the Owens family. Uh, no. Not what? the Owens family. No. What? No, no, what? no. You were just, 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 just getting ahead of yourself here. Uh, Get ahead. Slow down. Let me. Well, we gave you, we gave you the name too early. I, I think that's the confusion here. So at this point, he's a toddler. We don't know his name. He's just the toddler, toddles out. He's a little baby. His parents his parents get stabbed by the man Jack. The man Jack. And he's a mysterious sort. Yeah, he's dressed in black. He's 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 murders him with a knife. He's 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 up close and personal type of guy. Uh-huh. So yeah, so this little baby uh, toddles into this graveyard and immediately is doted on upon by these two people, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Owens. They're ghosts. Oh. That live in the graveyard. And they immediately take a liking to him, especially Mrs. Owens, who's very motherly, very sweet. And at the behest of the lady on the gray, who is this mysterious figure, kind of, and we're, we're, they, 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 the people in the graveyard seem to hold her in high regard because when she says that the people of the, the dead must have charity, uh, they're like, okay, we're taking this kid in. And now Bod is the child of these ghosts in this okay. cemetery. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that there was a little debate there, Eric. Uh, he showed up, he's a living thing, and he's talking to these ghosts. Well, he's not talking, he's a little baby. He's toddling at them. And <laughs> this word. I say that as many times as possible. Uh, it's a great word. And, and so I don't know if it is uh, a word, but I say it. Mrs. Owens, who never had a baby, says, oh my gosh, I love this baby, I want to have this baby, and uh, the mother appears for a moment, and she's in distress, and she says, hey, I was just killed, Mrs. Owens, take care of my baby, and then everyone says, no way, because he's a human child, and he can't exist in the graveyard. So they're, they're having this whole debate, and if they were to let him go, we know the man Jack would kill him, because his job was to kill the entire family. So it's either... Give this guy the the uh, freedom of the graveyard, protect him, accept them as your own, or let him die. All right. So this graveyard is huge. This is a very, very <laughs> I, large I, graveyard. I imagine it would have to be pretty big. 
This isn't I... this isn't no little twenty gravestone thing by a church in the Midwest. This you ain't know. your prairie home cemetery. No, sir. This <laughs> no, thing sir. is this thing is ancient. Um, and it's a wildlife preserve now. Yeah, okay. so no new people are being buried here. So a lot of these ghosts are rather old from a long time ago. But they're not just ghosts um, there, right? So uh, there's this interesting character, kind of shadowy character, named Silas. Yeah. Who we don't quite know what he is, but he's, we're told that he's not alive. Uh, but he's also not dead. And he is the one who ends up naming uh, the kid Nobody. Because they're saying all these different names. He looks like my Uncle Harry. He looks like your Aunt Sue. And he says, uh, or Mrs. Owen says, he looks like nobody but himself. And Silas says that's a good name for him, right? So he's nobody and he takes on Owens because those are his ghost parents. Checks out. Yeah, you know, this thing happens all the time, Eric. We haven't gotten to the unique stuff. We haven't gotten to the fantasy yet. This is just a matter of public record. (laughs) You can look up the Owens uh, and their plot, uh, plot number 137. Um, So, yeah. Okay, well, tell me more. What's the the fantasy, then, (laughs) if this is not the fantasy? (laughs) This is absolutely the fantasy. Oh, Oh, sorry to burst your bubble. Just to let me down. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, this place is full in with ghosts and all sorts of other creatures, like Silas. um, But there are others. There are ghouls. Ghouls are these uh, funny little skeleton creatures that have fun names. <laughs> um, they they run around. They're 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 nasty. They um they are looked down upon by the other denizens of the graveyard. <laughs> but there's all sorts of creatures there. Yeah, bad things like eating raw flesh. Right? The uh, rotting flesh the ghouls do. Yeah, the, the, the bods told to stay away from them. Um, but yeah, so the story is told from Bod's perspective, um, and he's just like the toddler that he was. He wanders, he's curious, he's constantly tenacious. He's growing up, so he's asking lots of questions about the graveyard, because it's a huge place, and there's a lot going on, so he has to learn about this world that he's entered, um, this world of ghosts and creatures and and you know people these, these things that come out at night in the graveyard, and he's learning mm-hmm. about them. Um, so he's a great viewpoint character because he's uh, he's this curious person, just like we are. He's the outsider. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we kind of watch him grow up. Um, and the story starts when his adventures kick off. He's five years old. Ooh. Yes, and that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna set the story. So when at, at this bit that this bit that we want you to write, picture little five year old Bod. Five year old Bod. He's a he's a little five year old Bod man. Yep, I got you. <laughs> He's got a rock. This is kind of structured like uh, like the Jungle Book. Uh, that's where it takes its name. Oh, so each sure. chapter in this is its own short story. It's okay. just short stories about Bod as he grew up in the graveyard, and oh, that's okay. perfect for a sham fiction because you get to just write a short story that would fit in, you know, that you could slot in as one of the chapters here. Oh, cool! I like that. Oh, I dig that. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's yeah, that's we really in terms of like the type of story to tell. That is the story to tell. So we'll try our best here to kind of paint the the characters that are around, the type of characters, what this world is like. But so you can kind gotcha. of just run free with it with these characters. Yeah. So so do we have a, a a conflict above the fact that he is an outsider living in this graveyard? That's going to be all up to you. Okay. I mean, does this Jack character does he play in? 
at any later point he he plays in at a later point he's always kind of on the fringes of the story but at this point not really no um he was turned away through some magic that silas has and so he kind of walked away and forgot about the graveyard so he's just kind of out on the fringes don't worry too much about him sure and uh do do any other living people visit this graveyard i mean this is an ancient graveyard i assume maybe nobody else is uh nobody else is visiting yeah Yeah. well i'm glad you asked about that uh because one of the relationships that you can play with when he was five is this Uh, little girl scarlet perkins shows up scarlet perkins what an adorable innocent name yeah and she is adorable and I, i love the relationship between them it's so cute and innocent because uh, Bod, at this point, he's probably about five. We don't actually know his birthday. He doesn't have Scarlet birthdays. Scarlet says she's five, and he thinks that's a good age to be, too. So, okay. <laughs> so she, he doesn't want to tell his friend that she's wrong when she says that he's also five. Gotcha. Um, and so Scarlet has traveled around a lot. Her parents uh, have traveled because her father's a particle physicist and has been bumped from university to university because... Oh. As she put it, uh, there are a lot more people who want to teach particle physics than people who want to learn particle physics. <laughs> That's yep. cute. It's a cute thing yeah, for a five-year-old to say. It's very, it's very She's cute. She's quite precocious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so because this is like a nature reserve, this graveyard, her parents just let her go and play there. You know, get, <laughs> get outdoors, get some fun. We'll, we'll be next door and, you know, come back in an hour or two. So... She meets Bod, and it's such a great thing for Bod, because although he loves the people at the graveyard, he's never met a real human before. And he uh, meets her, and they, they kick it off, and she helps him learn letters and the alphabet and tell stories, and they share stories. And, okay. of course, her parents think that Bod is an imaginary friend. Sure. I met this boy named Nobody in the graveyard, and he told me about all of the old gravestones. <laughs> that just yeah. doesn't sound like a real thing. Yeah, so this okay. is something. This is probably a good point to mention that Bod does have a bit of magical powers to him. He's got a few. So when he uh, was brought in, accepted into the graveyard uh, by the lady on the gray and the, the ghosts and the denizens there, um, he was given the freedom of the graveyard. That is what it's called. And, yeah, write that down. Freedom of the graveyard. And this allows him to pass through solid objects um, when he when he's in the graveyard, specifically. Um, so he can walk through walls and all that. Um, gotcha. And because he's so young at this point, he doesn't have too many other abilities. One thing that I, I suppose at this point he could do a little bit uh, is fading, um, which allows him to become invisible as long as he's not under direct attention at that moment. He can fade into the background. Um, oh. That's why when um, Scarlet is around and her parents are around, they sometimes don't even notice. Well, they don't notice that he's there because he just kind of okay. blends in with the surroundings. Sure, and he can also cool. always see in the dark. Gotcha. So. Uh, one thing I, I do want to circle back to you're talking about the man Jack if he's still a threat mm-hmm. he's the reason that Bod can't leave the graveyard Oh. so Bod's physically capable of leaving the graveyard but they won't let him because there's a serious threat that he'll be killed if he leaves the protection of the graveyard gotcha um, and Silas being not dead not alive is one of the only people who can leave the graveyard so he kind of becomes like his favorite uncle you know the Owens are his parents but Silas is his protector and provides for him, gets him food, gets him books, that kind gotcha. of thing. 
Yeah, Silas is a really interesting character. He's this kind of wise mentor figure. Uh, Bod is really drawn to him. He, I mean, in terms of like asking the questions, he always goes to Silas because mm-hmm. Silas, um, he's really curious of the boy too. He's he he, he kind of you, like that uncle comparison is kind of interesting because I think that fits it rather well. Great. Well, he, he's compassionate. So Silas is compassionate, and he also talks to Bod like he's an adult. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So he doesn't lie to him, but he'll just say things straightforward. Like someday you'll be able to go out there, or I might be able to do this. Perhaps it's not sure, kid. We'll do whatever. It's uh, that adult tone. Gotcha. Um, are there any other, I guess, tropes, things that I should be aware of uh, that are kind of uh, permeate the language of this thing? Any jokes that you want to see? Sorts of recurring elements. Anything? So, I mean, the characters within the graveyard are really fun, so feel free to adventure your own, of course. That's kind of what we want to do. But they're all, again, this is one of his, um, one of his, uh, you know, family-friendly works. So everything's kind of quirky and kind of fun. So the characters themselves, you know, we're talking about this ancient cemetery. So some of them are really old and really out of touch. Um, so there's plenty of quirkiness there. Um, there's one called Caius Pompeius, and he is the ghost of a 2,000-year-old Roman soldier. Okay. <laughs> Caius Pompeius. And he is, like, the sort he he's, you know, he's very protective of the graveyard. He's the sort of guy that comes running immediately and kind of... T- acts like he's the protector of the graveyard mm-hmm. even though he really isn't at all because he's a ghost and there's really nothing he can do <laughs> um yeah. and then naturally <laughs> and then there's um josiah worthington baronet uh and josiah Ooh. is the ghost of a 300 year old politician uh who bought and preserved the graveyard he was responsible for making it a nature preserve and protecting it when he was alive and then he was buried there in the best spot in the graveyard. <laughs> my, my favorite thing about Josiah is that he just doesn't think people appreciate how much that he preserved the graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't let them forget you know, it. Like, like, think about a politician saying, hey, I did this thing. It was yeah. great. <laughs> Aren't you happy you have clean drinking water? <laughs> gotcha. Uh, any, anything else I should know? Should I just run through my notes and uh, kind of give you what I got? So I got a couple things I, I need yeah. to say before you run off there. Sure. Um, so as far as the trope goes, that time period, the the range. So the Romans were there before that. There were the Celts. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even things before that. And there are people in all periods of history. So you have industrial revolution. You have witch hunts. You know all that. So mm-hmm. play with different time zones, different time periods, and the precociousness and interaction between those types of people is a lot of fun. Um, but the big thing I gotta say that you need to think about here is the language. So obviously Gaiman, I've mentioned, has some of the best prose around. Really just beautiful language. Yeah, no but pressure. Think, no, no <laughs> pressure, but, but try to think about that. Think about being figurative in your language, having mm-hmm. a lot of these comparisons. And also, this is written like you would verbally, uh, orally tell a story. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. That's that's the kind of thing. It, you know, in, in The Hobbit, how they have addresses 
You might know as quick as a wink what the answer to the riddle is, but when you're sitting in this cave with a golem facing you, it's a lot oh, yeah. scarier. Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of address. Okay. So that that can permeate your story. Just just imagine, you know, you've listened to game and audiobooks. Just imagine that yeah. warm English voice of his. Oh yeah, don't worry, I'll butcher you it. Into his world. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear your best game and impression when you read. Oh lord. <laughs> Uh, all right. One thing that I really want to point out, um, because this is so, I think one of the reasons that I love this book over his other work is that I'm also just into like graveyards and cemeteries. That's like an interesting thing. I, 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 when I go to like when I go visit my folks, you know, there's all these old cemeteries, ancient like frontier cemeteries out there in South uh-huh. Dakota, and I've been you know go visit them, see some of the old graves. Um, I went on vacation to Mackinac Island a few years ago that has this ancient, like, revolutionary-era oh, yeah. cemetery. I yeah. love cemeteries, and the cemetery really plays into this. So there's mausoleums, There are there's a chapel that's where Silas lives, there's an amphitheater that's where jo- Josiah is buried. So all these structures and headstones and... The there's a potter's field nearby where unmarked, you know, with unmarked graves. These elements that you think of when you think of a cemetery. Like, gotcha. I would love to see you play with that and kind of have that tied into the story. And, and, and play with legends. Answered. Play with legends and folklore. You know, any, anything mysterious, ghosts, goblins, whatever, you can sure. bring them into this world. Okay. Yeah, because it's so strict. It's so strictly from Bot's perspective. A lot of the time, we learn that oh, hey, this person or this character is this sort of creature. But because it's Bod, he doesn't know what to call them, so he just sees their traits and sees what they can do. But we, as the readers, are like, oh, that thing is a this thing. You know, that's a swamp creature, like a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. You know? so that's oh, that sort of thing is really fun to kind of piece together. Like, <laughs> oh, that character was this. You know, like. Because it's Bod, he doesn't know the world as well as Mm -hmm. anybody else. Um, So, all right. um, I think we're going to do the summary before we get into bonus points, right? Yeah, here. Let me me run through what I got. So, we got the Graveyard Book. It's by Mr. Neil Gaiman. Yes. Uh, It is a fantasy adventure novel. It's a sweet story. Young adult. Uh, it is has beautiful enveloping language that you can wrap up in like a warm blanket and I will not do it justice <laughs> do your Certainly best Certainly not. Uh, our characters we have nobody who through the course of the story becomes nobody Owens or Bod for short he has terrible parents because <laughs> he toddled out into this graveyard while they were busy getting murdered that's just that's just shoddy parenting uh, it's the first chapter of what to expect when you're expecting, I think. <laughs> Don't get murdered. Okay. Uh, so he toddles off into this graveyard when he's two. He's uh, welcomed into the graveyard by the dead folks that live there. He's given the freedom of the graveyard, which uh, lets him walk through walls and lets him fade out. And he can see in the dark. Um, he is a wanderer. He is curious. He's growing up and learning. Uh, he is five years old now, where we will take this story. 
Uh, Jack is the name of the person who murders murdered nobody's family. Mr. and Mrs. Owens are the ghosts who take nobody in. They uh, never had babies, so they want a child of their own. And the the murdered mother gives them consent to take care of the baby. So I guess it's all right. Lady on the in the or lady on the gray uh, is I guess the boss of the cemetery. Said, "Hey, listen up. You 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 do this thing. You take care of this kid. Great." Uh, there are people in this graveyard from all time periods. It's an ancient cemetery and also a nature preserve, because why not? Um, there's <laughs> Silas, who is like uh, Bod's favorite uncle. He's not alive, but not dead. He names nobody. He lives in the chapel. He speaks to Bod like an adult. Uh, there are ghouls in the graveyard, little skeleton monster critters that run around eating rotting flesh. That sounds cute. Uh, <laughs> each chapter in this book is a short story. Uh, Bod meets Scarlett Perkins, who's a cute, innocent five-year-old girl who's the daughter of a rambling particle physicist. <laughs> so that's... That makes sense. Um, there's Caius Pompeius. There's Josiah Worthington. There's all sorts of people from all sorts of time periods. Uh, this thing is written like an oral history sort of tone, and I need to practice my Neil Gaiman impression. That's that's what I got. Any glaring uh, omissions? I, I think you just about got it. Uh, all right. Any bonus points? One, yeah. One, so okay, go ahead, Marcus. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, to, to be clear on the assignment. It's to write a story. Sure. So this is... I know you like solving mysteries. Give us the whole thing. Yeah. In a thousand to fifteen hundred words. Just just give us... This is the event. This is how he resolved it. Absolutely. Beginning, middle, end. Yep. And if a ghoul shows up... This isn't a, my bonus point. It's, it's kind of a bonus point. Um, so let's maybe just call it a bonus point. <laughs> yeah, why Confusing! not? Confusing! Um, if a ghoul shows up... Uh, it should have an amazing name and talk in a Cockney accent. Um, so okay. ghouls have these crazy names that I absolutely love. A few of them include the Honorable Archibald Fitzhugh and the Bishop of Bath and Wells and the 33rd President of the United States and the Emperor of China. They have like these great titles and like extravagant names that they give to themselves because they think they're the best. They're very yeah, sure. overconfident and silly and amazing. Right. They, they can can they fly? No, but they're they super strong and they can like swing and like carry. Oh, right. Like they care. They like toss Bod around like he's nothing. They toss <laughs> him between them, even though they're his size. Um, yeah, it's they're they're so <laughs> they, funny. They come from a ghoul gate. If you decide to talk about ghouls, a ghoul one of the, gate. the the nastiest, most decrepit grave in the graveyard is a ghoul gate, and there's one in every graveyard. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The the reason I I didn't want to necessarily say that's my bonus point is because ghouls are very specific and they would take over your story. So I don't yeah. really want to call that a bonus point. Oh, the bonus okay, point fine. that I do definitely want to give you is that anytime a new ghost is introduced, a new uh, uh, person, uh, um, ghost that is from the cemetery, um, if they're new, Gaiman places this little uh, parenthetical after their name. <laughs> with their inscription from their cemetery or from their headstone oh from their epitaph gotcha yeah okay so there'll be like for me it would be like andrew neil 1987 to 2016 he died as he lived covered in bees <laughs> 
No, there'd just be like that sort of thing in par- par- parentheticals after my name. Okay. So, and he gotcha. writes it verbatim. So if there's like letters missing or words misspelled, he'll just put that in the parenthetical. Yeah. Which is amazing. And I love every time that happens. Gotcha. So I'm giving you kind of an abstract bonus points here, Eric. Um, you're writing about a couple of five-year-olds. If you write something that makes me feel like they're actual five-year-olds, then I'm going to give you the bonus points. Okay. So just, to me, that that means that things that you're really confident about, you can get into arguments easily. Uh, There's a lack of knowing, but at the same time, that supreme confidence that you know everything. Sure. (laughs) And, yeah, just anything, if you read it and I go, wow, that's spot on like a child, I'm there. That's bonus points. All right, groovy. I can dig. I can dig, Holmes. All right. That's fantastic. Any other questions? I think I got... No. No. We're excited, man. No, man. This is a lot. I've written more than I normally do. <laughs> um, it's going to be interesting. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off and write. So see you later. That was a nice touch. Yeah, it was good. Hey, folks, while Eric is off writing, we'd like to make a quick request. If you enjoy the podcast, please support us by subscribing and get a new episode for free every Sunday. While you're at it, you might consider rating us as well. We like positive reviews, so if you have something nice to say, please say it. If you don't like the show, well, pretend you're writing a sham fiction of a positive review and get yourself a little writing exercise out of it. Sounds like fun. All right, thanks for listening, and let's get back to the show. Okay, so while Eric's off writing, we're going to make some predictions. We're going to try and predict what he's writing, what's going on in his head right now. Marcus, what do you think? What are we going to be hearing here? Okay, so we've got Eric in a graveyard. We know Eric likes graveyards. And we know that he likes child endangerment. (laughs) So I think we're going to see some serious child endangerment and some winks at how ridiculously reckless this whole thing is for Bod's friend. That's interesting. Oh, okay, so like having the danger, the real danger to Scarlet. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. Like you what think you he's think gonna be aware say? of it? Just to be clear, you think he's gonna be like aware of that danger, or is he just gonna like unknowingly put these children in terrible, terrible j- danger? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that he's going to be aware of it. It'll be a bit of a wink to the audience. Okay, okay. Because the kids won't be aware of it. I gave him that mandate, you got to make this sound like a child. But I think Eric's going to have a little wink to us saying, and then Scarlet almost lost her head. And it was a great <laughs> time. But just things that would terrify an adult will be part of yeah, this. That's good, that's good. I like that a lot. Yeah, so for mine, I, I really, we're all big Neil Gaiman fans, and yeah. I want Eric to really embrace the Gaiman tropes in his writing, um, but also in the world that he's creating, this like fantasy world, real world, that's where Gaiman kind of works, is right on the, the cusp of those things. What is and a I'm, Gaiman trope? What is a Gaiman trope? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I would say it's, again, because we're dealing with this real world figure, this Scarlet, it's this idea of Scarlet um from the real world you know just like diving into this fantasy world but also relating it back to the real world in fun ways 
Um, sure. He always kind of keeps it grounded in reality in a way that I really like. And I think that when we have these two characters from both sides of the, of you know, one from one world, one from the other, we're going to get a lot of that. I'm hoping he really embraces that. So we'll see how it goes. Let's, let's bring him back and see what he's written. Excellent. I can't wait. Okay. Okay. I did it. I'm back. You're back. How, You're here. How are you? I'm doing. We're doing great. How are you? I'm feeling great. <laughs> did you come back from your journey changed and with an object from your lesson? No, no, that's okay. not how I tell stories. I prefer my characters to stay stagnant and never <laughs> slice of life. Just like myself. Yeah. <laughs> Just like reality. Uh huh. Grim, oh, grim reality. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Uh, but I think I think you're gonna get a kick out of this. I, I don't know if this is anything <laughs> like Neil Gaiman or if it's anything Neil <laughs> like a uh, graveyard book, but you know, I, I am at least gonna do the voice or try. Oh yay! To, uh, it will be spoken with an accent. I can't guarantee you it actually sounds like Neil Gaiman or anything that sounds like an actual English <laughs> accent, but. Eric, I gotta ask, what what is that you have on your desk there? Is oh God, that what I think on? it is? What's that going you, on? No, no, that paper. What's what's on that paper? Oh, uh, I have a little print off of Neil Gaiman <laughs> uh, right here in front of me, so that oh. I can uh, I can get some inspiration. That's a great headshot. It's, it's classic Neil. That, that yeah. is a that is a Neil Gaiman headshot right there, oh, looking at look you, at him. Yeah. encouraging you throughout well eric you know just don't get self-conscious remember marcus and i are the only ones listening you're among That's friends right, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> hi mom all right. all right let's get down to it all right let's do this thing <clears throat> so Exciting. this is graveyard book by eric carlson it was a dreary gray morning when nobody in scarlet met the graveyard's only witch I mean not to tease you, dear reader, with talk of bubbling cauldrons and old women with warts on their noses, or of dark rituals and spells cast to ensnare unsuspecting children. These are old tales that have been told and retold countless times in households and schoolyards in every land I can think of, so they don't need any extra telling from me. Scarlet herself had heard these dusty witch stories dozens of times, mostly from her teachers, and perhaps that they are the reason that she behaved the way she did that morning. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Bod, you mustn't walk over the graves. It's bad luck, <laughs> Scarlet pleaded, as nobody led the way from the O'Neill mausoleum towards the hill. Well, it's not like anybody's home, Scarlet, nobody replied emphatically, without altering course. Marcus is visiting relatives in France. <laughs> they were off to the lookout spot on the top of the hill next to Josiah Worthington's coveted plot, and the quickest way to do that without skirting too close to the dark grave where the ghouls lurked was to cut over a few graves. Scarlet made a wide loop around the grave of Marcus Goddard, 1891-1951, loving father, devoted husband, avid accordionist. He will be missed, but not that racket, and hurried to catch up to nobody. You're walking too fast, she huffed. Nobody rolled his eyes. Your legs are too short, he counted. I'm taller than you, 
she said, putting on a burst of speed in order to walk a little ways in front of the boy. It's just I've never met a witch, and I think I'd like to, said nobody, with a ponderous tone in his voice. A witch, she repeated, a knowing smile on her face. Do you even know what a witch is, Bod? He thought for a moment before answering. No, but Silas says I ought. <laughs> this caused Scarlet to stop in her tracks and turn to face nobody, who halted as well. You don't know what a witch is? She asked in a way that made nobody's cheeks feel hot. Nobody, everybody knows that witches are bad. They bake children in pies. <laughs> Nobody sniffed and kicked at a little white flower sticking up past a crumbling old headstone, his hands thrust deep into his pockets. Scarlet often liked to point out how much more she knew than nobody. Her father was the smartest man in town, after all, and so she must be the smartest girl in town by default. It made him feel sad to be proven that he knew so little, but it cheered him greatly to prove that he knew something she didn't. Maybe not all witches are bad, nobody suggested. Scarlet just looked at nobody's feet. You're standing on another one, she said, crossing her arms. <laughs> Let's go this way, around the plots. With that, Scarlet took off to their right, directly towards a dark grave overgrown with weeds and a wicked-looking hawthorn shrub with blackberries. Of course, I'm sure you know what that means, dear reader. <laughs> Scarlet! Nobody called after her. Not that way! But it was too late. As you might expect, three jumbles of tattered cloth and rattling bones leapt from the open grave and had Scarlet before she could even scream. The ghouls all laughed together and held Scarlet aloft like a trophy. Nobody ran over and kicked the nearest one in the shin bone, which snapped off and clacked against the cracked headstone. The ghoul lost its balance and fell to the ground, which caused the laughter of the ghouls to redouble in mirth. Oh, good kick, young Owens! squawked the shortest one as the chinless <laughs> ghoul crawled to retrieve its lost part. Give her back! Nobody yelled. The tallest one, which held Scarlet, kicked playfully towards nobody with a long skeletal leg. He spoke in a deep baritone to the short one. A good kick indeed, Earl. I dare say Roebuck has had that coming to her, has she not? <laughs> Give her back! Nobody repeated jumping in vain to try to reach Scarlet in the grip of the tall ghoul, who kept shoving nobody back with his ladder-like legs. Scarlet made barely a squeak as she was held in the air, swaying back and forth with the rhythmic motions of the ghoul, its sharp, bony fingers no doubt poking her ribs. "'Had it coming to me, my phalanges!' shouted the one <laughs> called Roebuck, as she snatched her shinbone out of the hawthorn bush and began reattaching it to her leg. They've come into our garden, after all. What decent child comes a-visiting just to start kicking shins? I blame the schools. <laughs> the three of them laughed at this, as Scarlet finally managed a timid, Bod, what are they? Her voice was barely a whisper. Nobody was about to respond when Roebuck cut in. What are we? By Jove, what despicable manners you have! What are we indeed? Heaven forbid the little brat asks us who we are, eh? <laughs> Scarlet was red in the face and looked near tears as she said, Okay, who are you? Look at the marvellous courteousness our young friend possesses, said the tall one, shaking Scarlet with glee. Allow me, this handsome chap over here, 
the ghoul said, <laughs> using Scarlet to point to the short one. <laughs> is the undisputed Earl of Sky and Sea. Don't dispute the title. <laughs> that comely lass over there, he pointed again at the one with the newly attached shin, is the Sears and Roebuck catalogue. <laughs> she did a curtsy and gave a devilish grin to nobody. And lastly, there is my good self, and I am called God's only son, our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> the ghoul bowed low, which brought Scarlet within jumping height for nobody. Without another word, he grabbed Scarlet's trembling hand and yanked her out of God's only son, our Lord Jesus Christ's grip, and began running like mad up the slope of the hill. The Sears and Roebuck catalog shouted, Rude, that! from behind them, and the laughter of the undisputed Earl of Sky and Sea rolled up to meet them like a thunderclap from a distant storm. Nobody was finding himself struggling to run faster than Scarlet as they puffed their way closer and closer to Josiah Worthington's plot. He briefly harbored the, uh, the hope that the ghouls had let them go, but he spared a quick glance over his shoulder and nearly fell to the ground when he saw that they were mere yards behind them. Keep going! Scarlet shouted, holding on his hand as he stumbled. They crested the top of the hill and blew past Josiah's tomb without so much as a glance. Nobody wasn't exactly sure why he had steered them up the hill, but his mission to find the graveyard's only witch was the, was the most recent tangible thing on his mind. The impossibly long strides of God's only Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, soon <laughs> proved too much, and just as the two of them entered the dark and twisted woods to the rear of the hill, they were both snatched up like two puppies about to run out into traffic. <laughs> no, 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 chided God's only son, Jesus Christ our Lord, as they struggled against his grip. We were just getting acquainted. He shook them and bonked their heads together as the <laughs> other two ghouls laughed. It was that lucky moment that the witch decided to enter our, enter our tale. The ghouls didn't know it, but they had stumbled into, onto a very dilapidated and overgrown grave, much like the one they had all come from. Unlike the ghoul's grave, however, the headstone on this one had fallen over years ago and bright green flowers had sprung up to cover it. The grave had belonged to Violet Emily Hackensack, 1675 <laughs> to, to 1696. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. <laughs> and her only visitor in the last hundred years had been Silas. The ghouls suddenly stopped laughing, and the hands of their captor trembled and froze. Nobody in Scarlet twisted around in their uncomfortable hand, per hand perches and looked from one bony face to the next. The ghouls were all standing frozen, exactly where they had been, but they all looked as if they were miles away. Slowly, like mist rolling in from a quiet sea, the soft voice of a young woman said, You've strayed on to the grave of a witch. <laughs> there was a cold menace in her voice that chilled nobody. He looked around for the source of the voice and finally found it, a ghostly visage hovering just to the side of the Sears and Roebuck catalogue. <laughs> she slowly approached nobody and continued, For that... There shall be payment. Violet reached out a transparent hand towards nobody, and he felt fear. Silas had urged nobody to find this witch, which told him in his heart that the witch would be good, 
And yet, as he looked upon her cold, impassive, beautiful face, he found himself believing Scarlet. Perhaps this witch was just as bad as she had warned. Perhaps he was about to be baked in a pie. <laughs> the hand gently touched the skeletal claw that held him, and the bones of the long fingers turned to dust and blew away on the breeze. Nobody fell onto the broken headstone and watched in silent wonder as Violet floated to the other side of th and released Scarlet in the same fashion. She fell next to him in a heap. She looked terrified. The witch addressed the ghouls, saying, You've given part of yourself. I will consider this payment enough. With a wave of her hand, the ghouls were suddenly animated again. My hands! My beautiful hands! <laughs> shouted God's only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as he fell to his knees before them. He turned for support from his friends, but they were already bouncing off down the hill. The tall ghoul jumped up like a spring and took, up, uh, took off after them, shouting obscenities the whole way. Nobody stood and reached a hand out to help Scarlet up as well, but she pulled away, her eyes locked in terror on the ghostly witch. Scarlet? he asked, stepping closer to her. She turned onto her knees, scrambled up, and began running. Scarlet, it's a good witch! he shouted after her as she flew down the hill towards the graveyard exit and her home beyond. Nobody thought about chasing after her, but then he remembered he had come this whole way to look for the witch, and now he'd found her. What's worse, he hadn't thanked her for helping them. He turned to her and found a soft smile on her lips. Your friend looks like she's seen a ghost, <laughs> she said quietly. Or a witch, he offered. He looked at her a long moment before saying, Thank you. Violet just nodded, then faded from nobody's view, leaving him standing alone in the woods at the top of the hill. He smiled and spoke to himself. I told you she was a good witch. <laughs> the end. Wow. Ta-da! A long one, I know. Oh, Eric, but... when did you get here? <laughs> we were listening to Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Oh, was that that passable? Don't don't answer that. I don't want to know. <laughs> it was good. It was a good voice. It was you a good story. And and a good story. Yeah, it was. You say mm. it was long, uh, but I did not feel the length because I was enjoying it. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, man. I. Oh, I I adored this. Like, I am, this is one of those sham fics that I am so tickled by how close you got to it. Like, how... Oh, really? Yeah, man, you, you should, <laughs> Neil Gaiman would be looking upon you proudly right now. Oh, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> we can oh. only hope not knowing him or have ever met him and only know him from his writing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but it was, ah, oh, man, as, as a huge Gaiman fan, I... I, I, I loved it. The the voice, not 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 your voice specifically that you were using, but the voice of the prose was great. Um, as we talked about in the uh, the opening segment, that storytelling voice to the way he writes, you nailed it. That was so much fun. I was just oh, like awesome. lulled into it just by the language that you were using and the way you were telling the story. How you know the story it's like we're hearing it from a storyteller i mean we are actually hearing it from a storyteller and that was so much fun to listen to 
Marcus, what are your initial impressions? Yeah, I, I think, above all, you told a full story, which is what we really wanted to see from this. I loved the parallel from the beginning with Scarlet saying you can't step on the graves, Bod saying that's not a problem, and then that's what got the ghouls in trouble at the end. It's such a classic mm-hmm. fairy tale device, and it so reads like the types of stories that we hear from Neil. And I was very impressed by that. I, gosh, I just, I loved the language, like Andrew said. I think he did a good job with the narrator. That one bit he said with the uh, grave marked with, what was it, blackberries or something? Yeah, the uh, the, the ghoul, the ghoul, ghoul grave, uh, hawthorn bush with blackberries, yeah. Yeah, and the narrator at that point says, of course, you know, that's something bad going to happen. Yeah. I love that aside. That, I mean, that read very tokenish, but also sure. what we see here in the graveyard book, and I just, I like that playfulness. Mm-hmm. That's what a good storyteller can do. They can say audience i'm taking you with me you have to trust that this is going to go somewhere Mm -hmm. and it's just fantastic it makes you feel like you're being let in on a secret yeah and really quickly i also want to mention the uh how closely and how much fun it was to hear your descriptions of the ghouls you use like the exact same language that he uses in the book to describe them you say bouncing you talk about the 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 descriptions of their bones rattling and everything and perhaps Mm -hmm. it it was it was great um it felt like the ghouls and the names (laughs) (laughs) well i had to you mentioned it. You told me not, like, okay, don't do ghouls, because if you do ghouls, they'll take over your story. But I was, like, I was tickled by that that whole idea when you described it. I'm like, oh, I have to do this now. <laughs> yeah, and the way in the writing you refer to them by their whole names for the most part, like, that's the way he does it. Like, because they have these big, long names, mm-hmm. in, even in the prose, in their dialogue, it's always by, like, their full title, their full name. <laughs> It oh, is that's great. fantastic. <laughs> I loved the undisputed Earl and the aside about don't dispute that. <laughs> <laughs> and with Roebuck, I, I was hoping that it was the Sears and Roebuck and you delivered. <laughs> when he yeah. said that, I was thinking, who's, who's Roebuck? Oh my gosh, he's a Sears and Roebuck. And it was. <laughs> it, it's just it's, dated it's a, enough. It's a big important name. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Oh, so so let's so hear happy. a bit. Let's let's hear a bit about <laughs> your your process here. How how was the uh, the writing of this for you? I, you know, it wasn't too bad. I think uh, you guys did a great job feeding this assignment to me. I, I felt like I understood the work. I mean, it helps that uh, I already have a pretty decent understanding of Neil Gaiman's writing style. Um, that I'm a big fan of, like American Gods and Neverwhere, uh, but I've just never read this one. So kind of combining my previous knowledge with his work with um, how you described it to me, um, I think it, it kind of rolled off pretty naturally. It's it's a difficult thing, uh, and it was a, a challenge to be able to, or to try to write a little more poetically than I normally do, to try mm-hmm. to include uh, metaphors and similes that kind of mm-hmm. give you not just metaphor for the sake of metaphor, but trying to use the right metaphor that'll give you the right feeling for the moment. It's it's a very difficult thing to do. And I'm pretty happy <laughs> with the, the ones that I chose to use. Yeah. I honestly kind of wish I would have gone a little more into it, um, have it a little more flowery and a little less action-y. But, That's how you um, save word count, too, considering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think it's a, 
I adore Neil Gaiman, and so any opportunity to try to write in his voice is just a fantastic exercise. So I, I, it was a lot of fun. Well, with Gaiman, he does such a good job of making us feel like we're kids listening to a story. And it doesn't matter if it's something like the Graveyard Book that actually could be read by kids or something that's very, very adult, like American Gods. Mm-hmm. It's just that impression of being told a story and being transported somewhere else that you captured so well here. So uh, that, yeah. yeah, and that was one of my secret bonus points for you, um, mm-hmm. was that, I just want to bring that up right now while we're on the subject, is that I wanted this to feel, like, I wanted you to use these gamonisms throughout, and you totally <laughs> did, um, between the uh, the language itself, but also, as Marcus said earlier, those references to... Um, fairy tales that we should all know i mean i should i should say those like not even just the the built-in like mechanics of the the grave stepping and but also that bit about the bush which was fantastic um those those just tickled me to hear those again Um, i'm glad to hear it that's great (laughs) yay yeah i uh any uh any any like criticisms any so i can point out a couple things that were off from the novel yeah oh i'd love it i'd love to hear that so the first thing that struck me was that he said nobody every time instead of bod which is how he's referred to in the text you know funny story right before we did this i it actually was bod and i went and i did a find and replaced so i was like you know i'm gonna have when people talk to him like when when Scarlet talks to him, she'll call him Bod. But I went through and I changed all the Bods to nobodies right before we recorded. Okay. <laughs> uh, you also you played more dipping into Scarlet's mind than they do in the original story, which I think is great. And I know that you have a uh, proclivity towards the female protagonists and getting in that headspace. So that was good, but it's a little bit different. Oh, interesting. Okay. I trying to think what else was a little bit different because so much of this was just spot on. That's insane. Yeah, the only thing that I can think of is the fact that the witch had a grave, like an actual oh. headstone, because in the book it's very clear that witches were buried in unmarked graves. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, 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 that's they, they're buried in a potter's field next to the graveyard. Oh, I didn't um, know there were witches at all in the story. Well, that, that, that was the. That's oh, right. I thought we went into so that a little bit. There's a, a witch, Liza Hempstock, mm-hmm. in oh. the story. Oh, which is very interesting because you did Violet a lot like Liza in terms that's, of the way that she was really handled. Spooky. The yeah. Uh, I, the similarity of the names is kind of freaking me out right now. Violet and Liza. Violet Hackensack. Hackensack and Hempstock. <laughs> uh-huh. I liked Hackensack a lot. That felt very whimsical and gamey. There are good. there are Hempstock witches in a lot of gaming stories. They kind of cross the boundaries between the different works that he does. Oh, gotcha. Oh, I since we're talking about that gravestone, I loved mm-hmm. that little detail that you mentioned that the only person that visited her grave was Silas. Because that yes. was uh, that was a great detail all around. I mean, Silas wasn't a big part of this story, but even that little act of kindness is a total Silas, Silas thing. You know, this care for the creatures, of all the creatures in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wanted to see more Silas. The other time that you mentioned him, though, was also perfect. Just the throwaway line from Bod saying, Silas said I ought, when referring to knowing about witches. Yeah. 
And that just seems like that tells me a whole conversation that happened off screen, and I loved it. Just Silas. Yes, you should know about witches. Not witches are dangerous, you must avoid witches, or witches are misunderstood. Just this is something you should know, being a a member of the graveyard. Great. Oh, good. Oh, and (laughs) gosh, your opening line. Can you read the opening line back again? Uh, Okay, I'm going to use my real voice. Uh, (laughs) You may. It was a dreary gray morning when nobody in Scarlet met the graveyard's only witch. Is that, was that the, the line? Yes, that was a perfect opening line. That that felt more than anything straight out of the graveyard book. It's just this is the story you're going to be hearing and addressing the reader straight off. I loved that. You had me just from that line. Oh, great. Hee <laughs> Yeah, um, so pleased. It's really hard for me. Like I'm listening, I'm, I'm thinking about this, going over my notes, looking at our notes from before, and and just my enjoyment. I had a big goofy smile on my face the whole time you were reading <laughs> that. I was so happy. I and like Marcus said, just a complete story with all sorts of great technical, you know, craft things mm-hmm. like the, the you know these these hints being dropped, um, these references to you know fairy tales um the the witch's pies you know things like that which gaiman loves to do but are just also just fun storytelling um techniques and um man it's <laughs> once when we get i'm just gonna say like i'm gonna be giving you full score i'm gonna be giving you all 10 <laughs> headstones out of 10 um because it's i i just enjoyed the heck out of this oh it you guys so are making fun. me blush but uh, oh, and just a really quick while I'm at this, uh, my bonus uh-huh. points with the uh, the inscriptions really yeah. fun, especially the accordion <laughs> the accordionist <laughs> <laughs> really dug that. Awesome, yeah, that's great. Oh <laughs> boy, I Marcus, gosh, I was so pleased by this whole thing. Uh, you didn't get my secret bonus points, mm-hmm. but you did something better. So again, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while which I know the two of you on the podcast with me have, you realize realize that I haven't been great with the secret bonus points. And the truth is that I'm happier when I'm not great with the secret bonus points because it means you did something better or unexpected. So my secret points here were that you were going to have a winking nod to the reader or to the audience about child endangerment. Oh. And just have them do something very dangerous that they blow off because they're kids, but an adult would be mortified. Oh, um, okay. But because you kept this so much within the realm of fairy tale storytelling and you didn't deal with any real threats, they were supernatural threats, that didn't quite happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like what you did there more. You did absolutely get my original bonus points, which was description of a kid. And do you want to know the line that did it for me? Oh, please tell me. It was the exchange. I'll have you read it back again because I just want to hear the story more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was when Bod and Scarlet are talking and they say, uh, your legs are too short. <laughs> that's that's the problem why you're going so slow. And I'm taller than you. Uh, what, what was that exchange? Yeah. Uh, you're walking too fast, she huffed. Nobody rolled his eyes. Your legs are too short, he countered. I'm taller than you, she said, putting on a burst of speed in order <laughs> yeah. to walk a little ways in front of the boy. That was that was perfect. That is such a oh, childish thing. <laughs> good. Legs are too short, but then obviously I'm taller than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really good there. Oh, good. That was the thing I was honestly. Uh, I mean, 
I love these assignments partly because of the bonus points. I always mm-hmm. try to use the bonus points as as my uh, limiting uh, factors, the 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 creative restrictions that I have to use. Uh, and that one worried me <laughs> greatly. Like I loved the opportunity to do um, Andrews, which was the epitaphs on the headstones. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's a fun thing. Um, but I was really worried about the childlike tone. Um, and honestly, the only thing I could think of was, was like, well, I guess we'll just argue about stupid stuff. That's what kids do, right? <laughs> that is pretty much what they do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that it, uh, it worked for you. Yeah, that was, that was right on. <laughs> and gosh, in the end, just as a, we, we talk about writing on this podcast, you just hit the fairy tale format so well. And it was so important that Bod says thank you to the witch for helping because that is part of a fairy tale. You have to thank the people who helped you along the way. And excellent. So I'm going to give you a very high score. Uh, I can't quite give you a perfect score, but I'm going to give you 205 out of the 206 bones in the human body. <laughs> uh, so the, the shin will, will elude you for today. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it got kicked away, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh andrew i think you already gave me your score yeah man all those headstones all, all of them. those headstones oh you're I'm gonna need so to write happy. me uh epitaphs for each of them though <laughs> oh god i will gladly offline <laughs> give me uh, 10 epitaphs by monday uh, <laughs> yes sir so if you like neil gaiman and this was a shadow of neil it was a well done shadow uh where could you actually read this original work again yeah, what are we so, talking about here? Yeah, so the Graveyard Book is available wherever books are sold. Um, you can get it on Amazon, of course. Um, so check it out. Go to your local... Or, you know what? Go to your local bookstore, perhaps, if you're still into the whole real copies of books, and pick one up. That's what I have. I have a real book of this that oh, I have put on a shelf. Can I borrow it now? Yeah, yeah, you definitely can. Um, <laughs> oh, and it has, uh, and again, it was written by Gaiman, but it also it has artwork in it by Dave McKean, which is really cool. McKean has a really awesome art style. It's very unique. Great. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to reading it now, because now that you've uh, inflated my ego with talk of doing this correctly, <laughs> I really want to uh, see what the hell you're talking about. You're, you're going to love it, because you hit the spirit of it so well. It's clear that this is going to resonate with you. Awesome. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, for listening to my my work. I really appreciate it. Uh, any final thoughts before we say adieu? I got nothing, man. I'm going to go read some Neil. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, All I'm right. aching for it now. Well, thanks, everybody. We're going to sign off. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for another lovely episode. And uh, this has been Sham Fiction. Bye. Bye. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Hey, funny book fans. That means comics if you're old-timey like me. Next week, we're spending some time with America's favorite mercenary. 
So put on your red shirt or your brown pants and get ready for an episode filled with bloodshed, swears, and hilarious budget constraints as Andrew writes a sham fiction for a spin-off that couldn't afford a Wolverine cameo. Until then, I've got to figure out where Saskatchewan is, and Eric has to stop laughing about things that rhyme with Regina. <laughs>